the Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as... Somebody there? Are you there? I lost you. Are you there? Anybody there? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Is anybody there? Hello. Hello. All right, I called in. I was able to get through. Um, still not sure if anybody can hear me, which is about normal for uh, this show. Two years in now, nothing but technical difficulties. 
I want to fire the host. Hold on. All right. Um, trying through my phone now, um, but I don't really think that's the reason that uh, we lost Dick. But Dick, if you're out there, call back 347-633-9609 if anybody else wants to call in and ask a question. Okay, so I, I thank you, Elena Smith, who just let me know that she can hear me, but not Dick. Well, nobody can hear Dick because he's not in the station now. Um, all right, well, Elena, why don't you call in and we'll talk. Anybody else wants to call in, 347-633-9609, feel free to do so. Otherwise, I'm going to shut this off. I wish I had Dick's number. I forgot to get his number. We'll shut this off in about a minute if nobody uh, calls in. So how is everybody out there? The last time this this happened to me, I remember I was telling a story before Lee called back in and saved me about uh, why I write dark things. And uh, I think it all goes back to, to my brother. I think it's my brother's fault because I didn't learn this until I was about, I don't know, 30, in my late 30s, maybe even early 40s. My brother told me when I was – she has nothing to say. Thanks, Elena. My brother told me that back in the day when I was a very young man, a baby, they had those cribs that had the little um, – like you're in jail. They, you had the little um, rails up. And uh, my brother saw me, came into, I guess, my little my little room one day, and I was – oh, hold on. Somebody's calling in. Matt, are you there? Hold Matt, it's me. Hey. Hey, okay. Matt? I can, I can hear you. Can you? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. I, me? I kept getting uh, – okay. can you hear me? I can hear you, but I kept getting knocked off every time I uh, tried to call in. Okay. Well, now you're here. Okay. Um, I, I, actually call, I actually called in through the phone myself so and once again my story of why i write uh dark fiction has been thwarted well to tell it the next time i have technical difficulty welcome dick belsky hard show to to get on i gotta tell you this is the second time on and uh you know it's very difficult to fight my way through the techno techno technology issues to talk to you but it's good to talk to you uh, matt well, last last time you were on, actually, I got to hear you twice as you as you cycled through, uh, which was really interesting. Anyway, so yeah. well, I, 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 had, I had things that are so interesting they're probably worth hearing twice. But uh, that's all well. We'll we'll, we'll we'll try uh, we'll try once now. Um, so okay. below the fold, tell us a little bit about below the fold and a little bit about Claire Carlson. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, Below the Fold is uh, my uh, new mystery that just came out uh, uh, this week, this past Tuesday, and uh, it features a uh, TV woman TV journalist named Claire Carlson. Uh, this is the second book in the series. Uh, I'm not up to uh, the number of, of Rick Cahill yet, but uh, hopefully I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, you know, Below the Fold is a um, it's an old uh, kind of newspaper term that refers to a story that's not important enough to be at the top of the front page. Uh, it's just not, it's just not terribly significant. So it gets kind of, you know, either little play or no play. And um, that's the the premise sort of of the book. It, it starts off with the murder of a homeless woman on the streets of New York city that, you know, really nobody cares about. And, uh, uh, and my character decides to look into it because people say, well, she's a nobody, but she's like, well, you know, she must have been somebody once. 
you know, she grew up, she had hopes, aspirations, dreams, she probably was in love with somebody. How did she wind up like this? So she decides to investigate a story that really it's not worth doing a story on. And, uh, you know, because this is fiction, it, it turns into a sensational story involving links to a lot of very powerful and uh, influential uh, people. Yeah, I, I really like how it, the story mushrooms out from uh, the homeless, the murder of the homeless woman. Um, well, so, you know, Claire, and you know, this I, comes from um, you know, and and just so you know, I'm sure you're going to get you'll get to this, but just so people know, so I'm a you know, I have an extensive background as a journalist myself, you know, so I've covered like a million stories, crime stories over the years as a journalist, everything all the way going all the way back to when I was really young, the Son of Sam, and then OJ, and uh, you know, John Bonet. And, you know, one of the things that we in the media are always criticized for in, uh, is, uh, you know, well, we always focus on a couple of the really sensational high-profile crimes. Um, so you, oh, they all get 24-hour news page after front page. And there's a lot of crimes that just don't get covered. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of the nature of what the media does. But um, So I, I, I wanted in this book to take a look at a, a story that, really doesn't fall into that high profile category um and uh you know it's this idea that you know everybody has some story and the other the other kind of line on this that uh, you know we've talked i think in the past, i think the last time we were on um we've talked i think you know every i was going to say our admiration my admiration certainly i'm sure yours too for michael conley uh, and almost every mystery fan cuz you know i've read every one of his right. books uh that, that that's come out um, and, you know, he always has the Harry Bosch line, which is, you know, everybody counts. Everybody counts or nobody counts. Nobody I like counts, that term, right. but I kind of wanted to take it um, to approach it from a journalistic point of view. Like, obviously, the, the media can't cover every murder, but what if they take a murder at Shoot and see what happens? Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that's what happens in uh, Below the Fold. So, where did I, I do believe, now, I'm not that. Astute, but I do believe you're a man, and Claire is a woman. I'm, I'm a so, man, yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's the that's where did the she, uh, yeah. As far as I know, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Where did she come from? Is she a combination of people you've worked with in the past, or a complete fabrication? Oh, nothing to complete fabrication. You know, <laughs> I mean, everything we do, I think, and I'm sure you do too. Well, everything we do is a old, combination of a lot of things in our lives. You know, so my old resume um, was. Yeah. I'm still working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I'm not. I don't have that good of imagination. You know, I basically take things. So, you know, everybody I work with. I was at a book party last night, and you know, launching it, and everybody's like, "Well, oh, you know, who is she based on? This person or that person?" And you know, the answer, of course, always is she's based on a lot of people I, I've, uh, I've, uh, you know, worked with over the years. Uh, she, she basically, Claire Carlson is a person who. Uh, embodies a lot of journalists that I knew over the years, men and women, uh, who basically the job is everything. You know, they're so caught up in the pressure and the creativity of the, the you know, the pressure of the of, of getting the big story uh, and beating the other person on it. Um, and they're, and she's very good at what she does, and she's very smart, and she's honest, and she's like, you know, a, a popular person. But, uh, you know, it's like her personal life is a train wreck because um, – you know, it's very hard for people. Everybody wants to think, well, you can have everything. You can be like a great journalist and you can have a happy marriage and you can have great, you know, be a great parent and you can have a lot of friends and all that. Um, 
And, you know, there may be some people that can do that, but most of the people I know <laughs> can't. You can't kind of do everything. And when you throw everything into your job, uh, something gives, and it's generally your personal life. And I've known so many people like that, and, you know, maybe gone even a bit of my, my own my own life. And um, so I wanted that. That's how I created Claire, that a person who is uh, so passionate about her job, but, you know, kind of uh, kind of uh, screwed up on uh, on uh, other levels. And the other thing about Claire, and I, I don't know, I don't know how you when Rick Cahill started how it started, but Claire was never supposed to be a series character. I, you know, last time I was in the hmm. show, we talked about Yesterday's News, which was the first book. And Yesterday's News was written as a kind of a you know one-off book. It was a book that very personally involves her in a story. And I never really thought of it as a series. I just thought of well, this is a book about a a woman journalist who's personally involved in a story. And, uh, and, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, I was asked, well, could you do more of her? Uh, she, she now has, you know, has become a series character and I'll be doing another one next year. But, um, um, yeah, so it, it isn't like you sit and think about, Oh, I want to create this character. Uh, she just kind of evolved out of the story. And, uh, and I, and I, again, I created her out of really a lot of people that I've, uh, that I've known, uh, over the years. She's a great character, and she's a damaged character, but I think at the end of yesterday's news that I, I think that you, for your reader's sake, you had to write more, at least because there was something unlefft, uh, left uh, unfinished, I'll say, uh, at the end of that book, and uh, I think it's all handled yeah. nicely. Um, so Claire is... Well, well I just want to say uh, for people who haven't read either book that... that um, there's generally like in in all the in this book and also in the first book, uh, there, there's sort of two stories going on and and uh, uh, I mean I'm not the first person in the world obviously to do this I'm, I think you do a bit of it in in uh, the Rakel series you know when I read Wrong Light and there's references to previous books but there's there's two stories here there's one which is the basic story of the book um, which is you know whatever you want to call it the A plot. And then there's the B story, yeah. which is the ongoing story that goes on, uh, you know, through through the, about the character, and uh, that's yeah, that's that's what happens with Claire. So I, you know, you solve the mystery, uh, basically, because you know you don't want to leave that hanging. But there are questions that are left open about the character, which I think, well, I, I think, and I think a lot of mystery reader, uh, mystery readers and fans also enjoy probably more than the a plot is what's happening with the the character and what's their ongoing um growth yeah. or not not growth um so why did you choose claire is written in first person and yeah was that <laughs> has that been difficult has that been difficult for you as a man no writing I do it first person easy. woman uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, let me just say, I, so this is actually my 12th novel. Uh, I've written them for a number yeah. of years. And out of the 12, it's not like I just sat down and said, oh, I'm going to write a woman character. Um, uh, uh, eight of my 12 novels have actually been, you know, involving women characters. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say in a minute why, you know, why I, I've written male characters. But my last series was actually about a male reporter. But uh, it, 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 I, I, it's fun and enjoy writing about a woman character, which I'll explain in a minute. But in terms of the first person, um, that's not even like a, so much of a decision as it's like a, a, 
it's kind of like out of your hands. Like I, I, I've tried when, when this, when I first wrote yesterday's news, the original Claire Carlson book, I wrote her in the third person, not a whole book in the third mm. person. And then, uh, mm. you know, when I, before it sort of came out, I said, well, like, I'm going to go back and do it in the first, and it suddenly came alive. I, I am more comfortable writing in the first person. Now, you know, mm-hmm. it's like I'd like to say I generally like to read in the first person, you know, books in the first person, you know, like like like, you know, like Raymond Chandler or 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 Spencer from Parker, you know, things like that. Um, I, I I've always like those are the books uh, first person that I read when I read, you know, like every book in the series. But, you know, it, it, it it's such a weird thing. And the, the one um, I, I've like agonized many, many times over should I write something in first person or third person? And I've written books in the third person, but I don't know if this means anything. But I've had 12 books published, and all of them have been the first person. And any of the ones that I wrote in the third person have never published. So, um, and, you know, this is something, you know, I don't know if you've, you've like gone through this, uh, Matt, but um, one of the, and, you know, I want to come back to Michael Connolly again just because he's like one of my favorite authors. But one of the things that I never quite, and I love, you know, Harry Bosch. I've read every Harry Bosch. But, you know, one of the things I never quite understood is why Michael Connolly wrote him in the third person, because he's kind of a first person PI. You know what I mean? It's like he's the kind of series character that should be like Matt Scudder or whoever, you know, or Spencer, you know, written about in the first person. And I had spent all this time agonizing, you know, like, should I be third person? person? I think about it like all the time. And I met Michael Connolly at some point, and I, I, wound up at a bar next to him and I sat next to him and I asked him that question and I said guys I love Harry but but you know why didn't you write him in the first person and Michael Connolly just he thought about it for a second he said you know I never even thought about it I just wrote it you know so I think there's the answer you know you write what you feel natural doing and and uh, he he feels obviously he's been very successful writing Harry Bosch in the third person I uh I'm 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 more comfortable writing in the first person I think this must have come up the last time we talked because and he wrote the I believe it was the Narrows when uh Bosch is retires his first retirement from the force and he becomes a PI mm-hmm. and I'm like ninety nine percent sure he wrote the Narrows as a PI, hard boiled in first person. And then when he brought Con- when he brought Bosch back to the uh, police force he went back yeah, to Yeah, I think person. we talked I think we talked about that. that yeah. There was a there was an occasion he did, but you know, mainly Harry one, Bosch is yeah. uh, is written right. in the, all, is yeah. written in the third person, the and and the whole Harry Bosch thing, you know, is interesting too. It's a serious character, and you know, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you and I and Matt get to the point where we have to worry about this. But I mean, since he's been writing him for twenty five years, he's he's gotten into the whole question of like, how do you age your serious character? You know, and yeah. uh, I, you know, it's like everybody approaches it differently. Uh, uh, you know, I think Mike, I think Conley's done a pretty decent job in. Uh, uh, in terms of like sort of having him off the force, but sort of semi-retired, but still you know doing all this stuff. Yeah. But uh, you know, and I, I remember sort of toward the end, Parker, he was sort of they'd be sort of suggesting he was getting older. But you know, it's just a question of how much do you you age your your character. I uh, I had a I interviewed Sarah Peretsky about uh, what's in B.I. Warshawski uh, not long ago for a magazine and. Uh, you know, it's like she basically is like, well, you know, she ages like, like for every ten years, I'll age her one year, you know, because mm-hmm. I'll age her, but I ain't aging her because it's like I can't have a seventy-five-year-old woman, you know, like pushing yeah. people out. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 
if you have a character that lasts as long as a uh, a Harry Bosch or a Vyar Wachowski or you know uh, it, it, it 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 that becomes an issue. Like how how does the, does the character ever change or does it be, or does the character stay the same the whole time? And I think a lot of readers would prefer the character just stays the same. That the character stays thirty five years old the whole time or whatever. Yeah, um, I I'm twenty years older than uh, Rick Cahill, so. By the time he gets to be too old, I'll be dead. So it'll work out perfectly. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't write characters my age either. You know, like I, yeah, you write, uh, you get to that, uh, you hit that sweet spot because it's, it's. Uh, I think it's a little tough to write a character in their twenties because you know, like, but um, but I, I most of my character. Well, uh, Claire actually is in her forties, so she's, uh, you know, which is uh, because she's been around for a while, and part of the backstory on her is uh, that she's, uh, yeah, that she's, uh, she's been around, and and. You know, just as a example of how much you know, you have to think about, worry about stuff like that. When, when I originally wrote the uh, first Claire book, um, so she's the third. She's actually the third character I had in the, the thing. I originally started out. I wrote a series uh, about a TV reporter back in the early '90s named Jenny McKay, and um, uh, and originally I thought, well, I'm going to write you know Jenny McKay now. But she's like a t- but she's grown up and she's a TV producer, and uh, you know the problem is when you do that, uh, you, you run into all sorts of uh, <laughs> questions about what she's twenty five years old. So what happened to her? How old is she? Uh, you know, there's yeah. all sorts of continuity questions. So I wound up uh, scrapping that and creating a new character about the age I wanted, which was uh, uh, Claire is around uh, forty five. Um, well, in my case, it helped to be unpublished for 10 years. So that helped the age difference. Um, so <laughs> in this book, in this book, and I think that's why people like it a lot is there, there are a lot of damaged people in below the fold, a lot of damaged yeah. characters. Yeah. And how, I don't want you to give me, I don't, you don't necessarily have to give any specifics or, or any, it's probably a dumb question in that case, but you know, you don't want any spoilers or anything, but how does this damage uh, inform their decisions? Because there's more than just one person well, that's messed up. Yeah, no, I think I think I think you know I think I can talk about it without you know without obviously giving anything away. The, one of the premises is that um, uh, uh, there's a murder, a very high-profile murder after the homeless woman, and um, uh, it, it involves a financial scandal. And at the murder scene, it's a young, sexy woman. At the murder scene, it's found a list of names. Uh, and there's like a half dozen names on there, uh, and most of them are really important people. There's a media baron, and there's a, uh, a politician who was uh, involved in the sex scandal. There's a, um, a high-powered attorney and, uh, and a, 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 a police detective, and the homeless woman's name is on there too. And, and so the the the, 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 the query, the question is, why? Who are these people? Why are they? Uh, why was this list left at the uh, at the scene, and what could this homeless person have to do with any of these like really powerful, influential people? And uh, you know, as you as you delve into all these people, you find out you know that everybody's you know everybody's past is different than their present. And so the media baron, you know, wasn't always this high-powered media baron. He was once this kind of crazy, scared kid, or or. Uh, you know the politician had you know had a, you know had a background, or the high-powered attorney who, who right now represents mob figures and drug lords to, for big money was once a, uh, a 
idealistic uh, person who represented homeless people and, uh, you know, and, and tried to, uh, you know, as a public defender. Um, so, you know, and I love that kind of thing where, you know, you go back 20, 30 years and you, in, in this book, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, you find out at some point that the key to what's going on is, uh, you know, it's not really so much in the present, but in, in an event that happened a long time ago, which didn't seem very significant um, in a society of people's paths crossing. And so all these different people's paths cross at some point. And, uh, and, and, the, and it comes out the culmination of it all is, is what's, uh, is what's happening now. And that's kind of what, uh, what Claire has to sort out, but it's, you know, it's like not everybody, you know, it's like the same way I said the homeless woman, and she didn't, she didn't start life as a homeless woman on the street. She started life as a yeah. you know, young, ambitious, you know, woman who had dreams and things happened that changed it. And the guy who is the wealthy media baron, didn't necessarily start out as a wealthy media baron. He started out as a kind of kid running the streets and having fun. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I always find it interesting to kind of look back at that and see, uh, you know, the people aren't always what they, what they seem. We, we kind of, you know, put them into a, into a, into a mold. All of us do. I always remember the famous, uh, I mean, if you're a baseball fan, the famous baseball story when Casey Stingle was showing Mickey Mantle something on in the outfield. So the way I, I used to do it when I played, and Mickey Mantle's like, you ever played baseball? And Casey Stingle's like, <laughs> I guess he thought I, I was born as a 70-year-old guy or something like that. You know, and I think we sometimes think about that as characters, and that's what this book does is it tries to uh, – to kind of like look back in the past and see how the people got to be what they are today. We sort of segued into uh, my next question, which has a a bit of a preamble to it about things not necessarily being what they seem. Um, You have an author's note in the back of the book. I'm going to read a little bit of it and ask a question. Uh, Not every journalist comes to work every morning, hoping to read, right the wrongs of society and make the world a better place as we are frequently led to believe. You know, the biggest motivation in a real newsroom is fear. Fear you're going to screw up. Fear fear you won't get the story. Fear someone else is going to beat you to it. Funny, the stories you remember aren't the ones you got, aren't just the ones you got. They're the ones you miss, too. Um, Yeah. 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 uh, Do you think now with 24-hour news cycle, because you've been at this for a long time before the 24-hour news cycle, has this fear phenomenon? It must have got. It must have gotten worse in the twenty-four hour fear news cycle, rather. Yeah. Well, it's different, but it's still the fear. You know, one of the things, and and I, my last job was I was at NBC News dot uh, uh, com, uh, NBC News, yeah, NBC News dot com, uh, digital. Uh, and uh, the thing with digital is everything is immediate. So if something happens, you know, you don't. Right. In the old days, you know, you'd have a meeting, you could talk about it, and you'd put it in the next day's paper. Um, you know, like you go watch, uh, you know, all the president's men. I mean, they have all these meetings with Ben Bradley about what they can do the next day and all that. Well, now it's not like yeah. that. Now it's like everything's immediate. And, uh, the da- you know, the good part of that is, it, you know, it's, it's easier in some ways. But the danger is that you go with stuff. So, like, if uh, if somebody tells you something and you're not 100% sure, but then somebody else goes with the same story. If you work at, uh, you know, I don't know, MSNBC and CNN goes with a story, then you're under pressure. Well, i got to go with the same story. And then if you're both wrong, you know, it, 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 it's, it, yeah, there's just a lot – and, and one of the things that um, you know, I talk about in an author's note, and I, and, and that, that's I, I think that's that's a passage that I really wanted to you know um, tell people about the fear because it you know it's like yeah I mean more more concerning that I get the story is like please don't let me screw it up, 
And um, yeah, uh, you know, I also, you know, I, but in general, it's just it's the stress. And I talk about two other things in in that note, and one of which is uh, the concept of uh, for a journalist of you know what's what's known as feeding the beast, which is that the news never stops. You know what I mean? It's like whatever yeah. you do, whatever story you break, no matter how good you do it. Uh, it's like, okay, well, I got to do it again the next day and the next day. And, uh, you know, the line always is that no matter how much you feed the beast, the beast is still hungry. The beast wants more. And that, that's what, you know, that's the kind of thing that wears down a person like a Claire Carlson. And, you know, it's like it never, ever stops. And, and the story I tell in there, which is always like the classic story, is, uh, you know, a reporter who uh, 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 wins a Pulitzer Prize, which is the highest award you can win in journalism. And he wins a Pulitzer. So everybody is ecstatic. His paper is ecstatic. They throw a champagne party for him that night. And, you know, everybody's toasting him. He's the greatest thing in the world. And in the middle of the party, the, his editor pulls him aside and says, okay, so what do you got from tomorrow? You know, and that's it. It's like no matter what you do, it's like you need more. And uh, that's the that's the pressure, that's the stress, and that's the um, that's the fear. Uh, and that's real. I mean, it's like it's, yeah, it's just like it's not all idealistic. And uh, as I said, I I don't know too many journalists who go to work every morning uh, thinking, you know, I'm going to make the world a better place today. You know, I'm going to root out corruption. I'm going to do all this stuff. It's a nice thought, but you know, most people are like, I just, you know, I hope I get through this day. You know, I want to get through this day alive. I want to keep my job. You know, let me, let me, let me see what I can do to not, not, not screw up. That being said, and with all the pressure and with all the now, the now, 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 what do you think the mm-hmm. future is of print journalism? The future of print journalism, or is there even a future for print journalism? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's you know, I, I hate to say it, but it doesn't look uh, it doesn't look very bright. Obviously, um, you know, I go back to so when I worked at the New York Post, um, we sold a million copies a day, I think, in New York, and uh, the wow. sold a million million and a half copies. And uh, there's a there's a documentary. I don't know if you've watched it or anybody's listening watched it, but if not, you should. Uh, it's a documentary on an HBO about uh, Pete uh, 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 Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill. And um, uh, you know, and two, you know two people I both you know knew knew and worked with, and and one of the um, one of the things uh, in the opening scene of the documentary, you're on a New York City subway train, and everyone on the subway train is reading either the Post or the Daily News. They're all reading newspapers, mm-hmm. and uh, I live in New York City now, and if you get on the subway, you will not see anyone reading a newspaper because you know people are reading their phones or whatever. So. Um, yeah, the, the future of print journalism, it's, it's, it's certainly very, very, there's a lot of changes going on and, you know, papers are going under and staffs are being cut. Um, and I don't know that any of that's going to change, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't have good journalism. I think the transition that, uh, and nobody's really been able to really master it is how you transition that to, uh, to digital to, you know, and I've worked in digital, I've been five years working in digital, but I mean, it's like, that people will, uh, you know, will read newspapers online in the way they used to read it, uh, you know, in print. Um, but uh, but there's a lot of issues because, you know, a lot of the digital stuff now is, you know, what they call traffic bait. So, like, if you, you, you know, if you if you call it, call something up, you're going to read stories about someone whose, uh, you know, penis got cut off in uh, New Zealand or something because people will click on that, um, and you're not going to be kind of reading the news that you would normally get in a uh, in an actual newspaper. And the other co- the other problem of course becomes this this issue we talked about with the speed 
you know, the validity of the news that you're getting because people are putting the uh, putting stories up online immediately. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, the, you know, one of the great things about, you know, newspapers always was, you know, you didn't put something up until you were able to confirm it and discuss it and make sure it was, uh, it was valid. All right. And that's, that's gone in digital for sure. Yeah. Um, so you, uh, obviously a lot of years in journalism, both TV and, and, uh, print. How has writing for news helped you, uh, helped your novel writing? <laughs> well, uh, I can write. Uh, I can write real fast, you know. <laughs> I uh, uh, because I'm a, not only a journalist, but a tabloid writer. So uh, I can write books. I can write things. I can produce stuff pretty fast. Uh, the the one problem I had when I people always say uh, the transition and the biggest transition problem I have was writing too fast because, you know, when you're a journalist, you learn to put uh, everything in the lead. It's like the you know, you start with the first paragraph. It's like I want everything—the five W's: who, what, when, where, and why. <laughs> and uh, uh, you, you tell them, you give it everything up front, and then you're, you get in, you get out, you do it quickly. Um, well, you know, if you do that in a mystery novel, <laughs> you're not going to get much past the first page. So, uh, I've actually had to, uh, to kind of slow down a bit, uh, you know, in terms of the writing and 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 stretch stuff out because my inclination is more to write and you know and get to the point fast. But I still think that um, one of one of the things that I, I would hope would be a strength of mine, or that people would like, and I've had this interviews, is um, that people say it's a quick read, it's a page turner, and all you know, whatever the good the term is, um, because I don't uh, I don't spend a lot of time. Uh, you know, like some novelists might do, doing a huge descriptive scene or something like that. I I, I tend to write, uh, you know, copy sort of like I would as a journalist, which is to get to the point, uh, you know, very quickly. And uh, look, I'm not the only person to do this. I um, I I interviewed uh, Lee Goldberg not long ago, and he's a screenwriter. And uh, he, yeah, I don't know if you read him his books. I read True Fiction. I mean, the book sure, starts like sure, really well. It starts with a great thing and it goes like a hundred miles an hour through the whole book. And he said, uh, he said, well, you know, I wrote it as a screenplay. And I said, Oh, you were going to try and make a movie. He said, no, I wrote it as a screenplay first because I wanted to keep the book moving. So because he's a screenplay writer, the book reads like, like a movie would, you know, boom, 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 boom. And, uh, you know, I try and do some of the same thing with a, you know, with a, as a tabloid writer. Um, look, there's different kind of books, but I like books that, um, that are, that are, that are quick, you know, that I, that I don't have to spend a lot of time, you know, delving into long descriptive passages. So. Well, speaking of tabloid, any stories from star magazine, do you want to share? Either a story. You want, me to, you want me to tell stories about? I could like we could be on the we could be on the air for uh, twelve hours, Matt. Yeah, you oh, know. Boy, I, so, we so only I got a couple more star minutes, Ma- but give us one. I worked at Star Magazine uh, during the '90s when everybody got their celebrity news from the tabloids again. This was before, really, before the internet or anything. And uh, uh, well, I mean, the biggest story we probably ever broke was we wrote we did the first Bill uh, Clinton scandal and uh, that uh, that uh, was in oh, 1992 really? when he when he uh, was still running in the primary in New Hampshire and nobody really knew who he was and he gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal in which he said uh, well my marriage life is off 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 limits you know I don't want to talk about anything and and one of our people said well why is that and we went literally in within about 2 hours we went down to Arkansas 
we spoke to somebody who said, oh, yeah, there's some lawsuit by some guy who claims that he put his girlfriend on the payroll. And then we found the girlfriend, who was Jennifer Flowers, and we uh, and she basically told us about having a 12-year affair. And, um, uh, and and I'll never forget it. And, and we were like, well, can you prove that? And she said, well, I have I have tapes. And she had all these, oh. like, phone tapes of him, like, on there, like, talking about oral sex and all sorts of stuff. And the only thing, the problem we had was, you know, I was 100% sure this is him as if to be doctors. So we took it to, uh, like, a guy, and he said, uh, and he said, well, I'm, like, whatever. I can't remember the numbers, but it was, like, I'm 88% certain it's Bill Clinton's voice. And I'm, like, you know, we want 100%. Well, yeah, you, you can't do that. So, but we believed it, and we went with it. And then he held a press conference, and uh, I, I remember thinking to myself, he's going to say he has no idea who this person is, and we're all going to lose the jobs. And he got up and he said, well, I was talking to her in a professional capacity. And at that point, we all went, holy crap. You know, it's, he, 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 he's basically admitting it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, look, I like Clinton. I like Bill Clinton. But, I mean, it was just as a tabloid journalist. It was just, and we found a lot of other women, you know, some of which we published, some of which we didn't, uh, you know, during that period. And obviously all the other stuff then later came later, the Monica Lewinsky and, and all the stuff. But, um, but yeah, so as a, as a uh, one of the things we did the star, we actually, I think, pioneered this idea of the political scale. It sort of started a few years earlier with Gary Hart. Uh, but uh, but, you know, obviously Bill Clinton was, uh, was a goldmine for, for sex scandal stuff. Yeah. Well, it didn't seem to hurt him. You help, you helped get him elected, and he helped he helped keep you in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, it's like it's like yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, look at the uh, look at the well. Certainly, even go all the way back to you know people would know. Look at you know John Kennedy. But you know, even with uh, you know with Trump, I mean, everybody thought that when he did the um, the uh, the Access Hollywood tape, you know, that that would destroy him during the primaries, and it didn't. You know, in the end, uh, uh, he was able to. Uh, you know, to uh, to still get elected from that, so it's 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 weird. But then other people's careers, you know, can get destroyed by a by a by a sex scandal. I mean, I worked with, uh, you know, like Matt Lauer at uh, at NBC, and his yeah. you know his basically you know it's the most popular on television. His career was over because of you know various um, you know various allegations. So it's it's uh, it's it's bizarre. But as a as a journalist. Um, Covering celebrity sex scandals, I mean, it's got to be one of the most interesting things. And the, in fact, the very first celebrity story I almost ever did was uh, about Trump. So when I went to Star Magazine in 1990, the very first story that I was I was I had to do was I wound up doing the uh, the you know his 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 divorce where he left uh, his first wife uh, for Havana for uh, uh, Marla Maples, and we bought up Marla, Marla Maples, Maples' family yeah. and we interviewed her, and uh, you know like who you know who would have thought you know whatever all these years later we would be dealing with Trump on another complete level. But uh, that was one of the big, huge celebrity stories of the time. You know, Donald Trump uh, dumping his wife for the uh, for this young uh, this young girl. Not once, but twice. Um, so, thanks for going through all the mess with the. Uh, now it's twice we've had to go through technical difficulties. Appreciate you coming on, and the, the book is below the fold. I highly recommend it. But how can people find you on the World Wide Web? On the World Wide Web, well, I'm kind of everywhere. Um, so my website is uh, www.rgbelsky.com, uh, r-g-b-e-l-s-k-y.com, and uh, I'm on uh, Facebook is R.G. Belsky, 
And uh, you know, so uh, you know, you can you if you go to my if you go to my we- my website, you can probably find out anything you want to know about me. And, and you know, and the book is uh, it's put out by a wonderful publisher. You probably have heard of them, Ocean View, uh, Matt, uh, because they also put out the Cahill series. And uh, and yeah, uh, and I'm being and I'm being serious here. You know, so uh, they. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's, you get the paperback and, uh, and an ebook. So, you know, you can go to Amazon and go to Barnes and Noble or all the, you know, all the other places, uh, that's both ebook and, uh, and paperback. And it just came out on, uh, it just came out on, uh, Tuesday. So, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, 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 it's always, you know, pretty exciting, you know, when you have a, when you have a new book that's finally out, cause, uh, you know, people don't really, I guess, Maybe I guess they do know, but um, you know all the all the time and preparation that goes through the book, not just writing it, but then you know a year of the edits and the checks and all the stuff that goes into putting a book together, and uh, and then suddenly there it is. So I had a big book launch party in New York last night, and uh, uh, cool. so right now it's uh, very exciting. Well, it is hot off the press, and I also uh, you heard it here here first, folks. I broke it that there will be another Claire Carlson novel, and I'm guessing this time next year. That's right. Yeah, it's, I can give you a title. It's going to be called The Last Scoop, and it's, uh, it's, oh, yeah. uh, I'm, and I'm just uh, finishing up the final, you know, the editing on it now, and that'll be out in May of uh, 2020. And, yeah, you know, I hope to keep, uh, you know, I hope to, I hope to stay right behind Rick, uh, Rick Hale in terms of the numbers. But you're two, you're like uh, three ahead of me right now, I think. So, but I, but I, that's fine. I, that's cool. As long as I, you know, you know, we, we, you know, we just, we just, we both just keep doing it. We'll be good. That's a good deal. Well, once again, Dick, I and appreciate I should just tell, you coming tell your, on. Tell your audience real quickly if they don't know it that I interviewed you for the Big Thrill magazine in December when right. the Wrong Light came out, and I became, you know, I became a huge fan because, uh, you know, it really is my, you know, a terrific book. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, it was fun, you know, talking about it. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, you have a real it's – a, it's, a, it's a really cool character. And you've got, I know you've gotten a lot of claim for it and, uh, you know, well-deserved. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And the check is in the mail. <laughs> Did I so, say it the way you told me to say it, Matt? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well I done. actually mean I, – I really – I really uh, – I've uh, I've uh, I've said that to people. I I read a lot of books. I have to read a lot of books for, and uh, you know you pick them up sometimes. You're like, okay, this guy's a bestseller, but I'm not sure I like him. And I I bought your book, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm I I'm buying into this right away because it's uh, it's my kind of book. Well, I appreciate the kind words and the interview um, as well. And I will uh, be seeing you down the road, and we'll probably have you on for the next Claire show, next Claire book as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure I'll run right, into thanks. you. Uh, I'm sure I'll run into you one of the conferences. Thanks, thanks so much, Matt. Always, always great talking. You bet. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on. All right, folks. I think in two weeks I'm going to have on Doug Lyle with his new book. That'll be the 24th, uh, I believe, unless uh, something happens and we screw it up. But if you, I want people to know that listen to the show ever since that uh, first or second show. I wanted them to acknowledge how much better I've gotten handling the technical difficulties. I didn't even sweat for this one because I had flop sweat for the first one. This one, no sweat. I figure that's the way it goes. I'll finally be able to tell my um, story about me in the crib and my brother. Uh, You'll just have to wait for the end of that uh, long wanted to hear show or whatever story uh, for the next technical difficulty, which could very well be in two weeks. 
This is a copyrighted trademark podcast owned solely by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.